0: You grew up with a scarcity mentality and are ready to shift that mindset to finally value your financial power. That's right, reinas. Venimos con toda la actitud esta semana. Así que stay tuned. You did it. You have found your judgment-free zone, the Her Dinero Matters podcast a bilingual podcast for women who want to become reinas of their money and love their dinero more. I am your host, Jen Hemphill, a former extreme frugalist turned reina of your money advocate. Each week, I'm going to help you reign your money like that queen that you are with inspiring interviews and panel discussions from La Comunidad Latina and with solo episodes sharing simple, actionable tips and strategies. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And now let's jump into today's dose of money confidence. Hola, hola. How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host, and I am so glad that you are here because we are in for a treat. I mean, for a treat. You're going to truly love this episode. In today's episode, you're going to learn how to change that poverty mentality that plagues us, as well as why it is important to make money flow, how our relationship to our money and our power is always developing. And that is just so good. And how to value yourself as the reina that you are. So let me share with you a little bit about the one and only Ernie G. Today's special guest is one of the top Latino comedians in the country. And I love comedy. (laughs) He's been seen by millions on TV shows such as Comedy Central's Make Me Laugh, BET's comic view and is one of the original stars of the hit comedy show Que Locos, hosted by George Lopez, a graduate of Loyola Marymount University with his degree in psychology and a minor in Chicano studies. Ernie was honored with the first ever Mario Moreno Cantinflas Award for his inspiring work in the Latino community. He was the national spokesperson for the Hispanic College Fund, has inspired over 500,000 students and spreads his message of transformation through laughter as an empowerment comedian, mental health coach, and TEDx speaker nationwide. Lista? Let's go meet Ernie. Bienvenida, Ernie G. I am so thrilled to have you here. We recently connected at one of the Hispanic Heritage Foundation events where we were speaking at the Loft Charlas. I, and I'm just so thrilled to have you here just because of all the experience that you've had, everything that you've done. So welcome.
1: Mucha, muchísimas gracias. I'm so excited to be talking to our fellow Latinos and Latinas out there. Uh And anytime I can share any of my wisdom and insight so that they don't have to go down the same path that we've gone down and they can create their own path. I'm happy to do so. So thanks for having me on the on your show.
0: Thank you. Well, let's just start off. Let's go back in time and tell us about your money story. So what did you grow up hearing, seeing and experiencing when it came to money?
1: Well, my parents were never married. My mom and dad met Salsa Dancing. And then nine months later, boom, Ernie G, right? And I used to be ashamed of that and not tell anyone that story. And then I sh- I shared it on stage one time at a high school. I accidentally let it slip that my parents were never married. And then this cholo gangster dude came up to me after the show. And he's like, hey, Holmes, can I talk to you for a second, dog? And I was like, <gasps> what did I say? What did I say? He said, no, no, no. Te quiero dar mucho respeto, Holmes. I want to give you much respect. I can't believe you put yourself on blast like that. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, hey, my parents were never married either. And until I heard you speak just now my whole life, I thought it was a mistake. But after listening to you, I realized maybe I'm not. And I'm like, wow, God doesn't make mistakes, bro. Your, your job is to figure out why God puts you on this planet. And now I've figured out that God put me on this planet to have experiences like that and then to be able to share them with as many people as I can. So as an inspirational empowerment comedian, all I really do is tell stories of my upbringing. And since my parents were never married, my mom, Pobrecita, raised me by herself. And, you know, she got pregnant when she was trying. My mom ran away from home before she turned 18. Then she met my dad, Salsa Dancing, got pregnant. And then she she had gotten pregnant when she had like this, the best job she ever had. She was a secretary at the one Wilshire building in downtown L.A., which at the time was the tallest building in L.A. And then she got pregnant with me and then had to quit her job. So... I was brought up like a lot of Latinos, thinking that money was scarce. That there's no way to really acquire wealth because anytime you, anytime you make ten dollars, you you're spending fifteen. You know, and, and the whole concept of saving money like that was like for rich people. You had to be rich to save money. And I remember by the time I got to high school, or even before high school, like grammar school, if you owned your house you were filthy rich like nobody in my neighborhood owned their house we all had uh el super you know the, the landlord or the the the, the guy that we paid the rent to and whenever you you know somebody would knock on the door everyone would shh, shh, shh. hide 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 don't 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 let them know we're home don't let them know we're home we never had uh guests you know company the concept of company that was a foreign art our- we were the company at other people's houses, but we never had company because we were always afraid that the landlord was coming, or the the debt collector was going to be knocked. Because back in the day, people would come and knock on your door, and you would owe them money. So my mom was always like, "Don't answer the door." So the whole scarcity mentality, you know. And my mom pobrecita, you know, she did the best that she could, but she got fired so many different times, and and just I just never remembered my mom ever having a stable job until. Probably I was in high school was the last time I remember her keeping a job longer than a few years. So money is definitely scarce.
0: So basically, so you were raised by a single mom and then in Los Angeles. So in a basically in a community uh, where having a home or owning a home equated to being really rich. So that was like in, in the, your surroundings. Now you're Latino, but you're also many other things because before we started recording, I asked you about your last name because you're, you're known by Ernie G. And I'm like, I saw that it wasn't Gonzalez. It wasn't Garcia. And I was like, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it right now. I mean, I'm just really uh, interested in knowing, well, you are Latino and was it a co- Latino community in Los Angeles that you were brought up around or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when people find out my name is G, Ernie G, there's a, is a Garcia Gutierrez Gonzalez and my full name is Ernesto Tomas Grichevsky. So I'm a Mexican American, Puerto Rican, Russian, and French Catholic Jew.
0: <laughs> you know, I thought I was like, I, cause I am Latina and white. And I thought I was like, well, that's a lot. And then my kids are Latino, white, black, and and I'm like, no, you you got it all. <laughs>
1: I bet your kids are gorgeous. That's one of my jokes that God's gift to humanity is that when races mix, when different cultures mix, the children always come out gorgeous, right? I think God's trying to tell us something. But because of that, I I grew up in LA with my single mom, and I did grow up in a Latino community, but we're part Jew. My last name is Grichewski, and the Grichewskis were Russian Jews. And my mom always felt this longing to connect with that part of her ancestry, and I never understood it because I grew up around Latinos. But, you know, in the Latino community, and this is, I, I've noticed this is all over the country, no matter where I go, where there's a group of Latinos, most of the Latinos in that community kind of have this poverty mentality, but there's always el dueño de la tienda. There's always the guy that, that owns the tortillería, the panadería, the carnicería, and those guys were always the, the rich ones, but you didn't know they were rich. They knew how to maintain like a very humble lifestyle, but they always had money. And those their kids always had the nicer clothes. And those kids had the cool bikes on, Chris, on Christmas. And we all got the hand-me-downs and the, the rinky-dinky stuff. So in the back of my mind, I always knew that there were people that had figured out the game. My mom, my friends, we were playing a game that we hadn't figured out how to do what those other guys did. And those other guys, they knew something. They must have known some gringo that taught them how to make money, some judío that taught them how to make money. That's what my brain was saying to me as a little kid going, how come they have a nice bike and their dad owns the tienda? How did that happen? And I never understood it, but I knew that it was possible that a Latino could have money. And that's what kind of later in life, I vividly remember the moment that I discovered that I made up the story that I was poor. We make up these stories about ourselves. And I remember I went to an a, a all-boys Catholic high school, St. Francis College Prep. And at St. Francis, all, it was all a bunch of rich kids, a lot of gringos, a few Asians, a few African-Americans. And the story I tell is that at 7.50 a.m., there was a line of BMWs, Mercedes-Benz, and Rolls-Royces with the gringo kids getting dropped off by their maids and their butlers and at 7:58 12 of us Mexicans got off the bus and ran to class and barely made it on time to class because that school needed you know they needed to uh, let in a bunch of latinos just to even out the the numbers but the latinos at my school were all poor kids that they let in and we were in on scholarship and every like the principals would treat us differently because we couldn't pay the full amount of tuition my mom I think it was like, let's say it was like 200 or $300 a month, and my mom had to pay like 50 bucks a month for me to go there. And so I was always the poor kid at St. Francis, and the kids had nice lunch boxes, and I had like the leftover bread bag, the Wonder Bread, and that's where I would stick my, my narangas in my sandwiches, my chorizo con huevo burritos, I would stick it in there. And they had nice Charlie's Angels and Dukes of Hazzard lunchboxes. And I had like the leftover Wonder Bread bag as my lunch bag. And so it was just kind of beaten into me, like ever since I was a kid, that you're not one of those guys. Those are the rich guys, and you're not one of them. And you got to do the best that you can with what you have as a poor guy. That was always beat into me.
0: So take us to the moment, because you had that story in your mind, but you also told about the dueño de la tienda. That you, t- you kept, it sounds like that you kept that in the back of your mind somehow because you've become a speaker. You've become very successful and you've traveled across the U S and I'm possibly the world speaking, uh, to whether Latino community or high schoolers or college grads. So tell us like what brought you to speaking? What brought you from that mentality of, or having in that ingrained in your head that you were poor to, Becoming this fantastic speaker, comedian, and I love comedians because I lo- love some humor. Uh, so, what happened? Was it that Dueño de la Tienda that really just stuck and that kind of laid on your shoulder the whole time That because you know it was a possibility? So, tell us what yeah.
1: happened. At St. Francis, I met my, my guidance counselor, Ms. Donna Huckabee, and she was the one that really, she was a little gringa and she treated me like her grandson. Like she just treated me with all of the validity and the love. She treated the, the, with the gringos. She was the only teacher at St. Francis that really treated me just like the rest of the kids. And because of her, I went to Loyola Marymount University. And this is a story I've told hundreds of thousands of times. But when I went to LMU, Loyola Marymount, I got in on a scholarship. But I, I met all of these really rich kids from all over the world. And I got really depressed and overwhelmed. And I got kicked out of Loyola Marymount, uh, academically disqualified. And when that happened, I was depressed for a year. And then my mom's best friend told me about this program called the Landmark Forum. And I did the Landmark Forum in 1993, right after the LA riots happened. And in the Landmark Forum is where I discovered that I created the story that I'm poor, that rich people own only rich people could own a house. And I created that I was a poor little Mexican kid whose parents were never married, who grew up in the hood, who. Almost became a Cholo, but I was more afraid of my mom than I was the Cholos. But the Cholos beat you up once. My mom beat me up every day (laughs) is the joke. But that's where I discovered that I made that story up. And what I'll never forget was my landmark forum leader, uh, Jerome Downs, was coaching us on money. And this woman was talking about money. Oh my God, I look at my bank account and I, I see such little digits and it, it affects my whole life. And Jerome Down said, you're gonna let digits influence your life? You're gonna let digits on a screen, little numbers? What would happen if we just move this decimal point over here? What would happen to your life? <gasps> oh my God, oh, I could totally... I could, I could be free and I can, I, I can finally sleep at night. So because of a digit, you can't sleep at night. And I was like, but that digit means something. It means the difference between a million dollars and $10 is moving the digit over. And he said, I'm never going to let a digit impact who I get to be in life. A digit has nothing to do with me, my creativity, my freedom, my fortitude. That's just a, a number on a screen. And then the other thing he said that blew me away was he had everybody in the room stand up and then he had everybody pull out their purse or their wallet. And there was like 250, almost 300 people in the room and everybody lifted their purse or their wallet in the air. And then he said, can you see that money is Everywhere. Money is everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's money. And the only difference between the money over there and the money here with you, the only difference between that money and your money is a conversation. One conversation can have that money be your money. Money is everywhere. And if you want to acquire more money, you have to shift your conversations. And I was like, whoa, who is this weird dude, man? He just planted a seed in my brain that I've had with me ever since. Money is everywhere. And the only difference between the money being over there and the money being over here is one, is a conversation.
0: Wow. So you had this training or uh, at the Landmark?
1: Landmark Forum, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: I have heard of it. Yeah. And uh, is this when you started speaking? Before we continue, I have a quick message for you. the Neto Matters is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving as your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account to refinancing household debt to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member of FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.
1: Yeah. So in the landmark, fo- the the short version of the long story is in the first landmark forum that I ever did, which was the South Central Community Forum, I got why I got kicked out of Loyola Marymount. I got kicked out of Loyola Marymount as a self-fulfilling prophecy to prove to myself that Latinos are poor, that I'm never going to make it in life, that my pobrecita mom was lucky enough to have a kid that wasn't in gangs and in drugs. And so my bar was really low. After I did the forum, I realized I created that and Those are limitations I put on myself. So I exploded out of the forum, got back into Loyola Marymount, graduated with honors from Loyola Marymount, went into grad school and was going to get my master's in social work. And then right before I did that, I reviewed the Landmark Forum. And in the the second time I did it, the Landmark Forum leader said, if you know in your heart you're a performer and you're not performing, you're robbing the world of who you are. So I quit graduate school and I started doing stand-up comedy. And I got really blessed because what what happened, and this is the message that I really want to share with every listener that's out there, is what happened was I got planted with the seed in my soul that we get to determine our own experience by the words that come out of our mouth and the thoughts that we continue to have. If we keep thinking we're poor, we will always be poor. If you keep thinking that you are destined to, to be in scarcity and money is not easy and money does not flow and there isn't a circle, a, a cyclical nature to, to money, that the, the, the laws of abundance, I started learning about the laws of abundance and the laws of abundance, they're not subject to interpretation. It's not like you can agree with it or not agree with it. It's like gravity. It's like if you jump into the ocean and don't come up for air, you will drown. If you jump out of a plane, you will fall and the, the the laws of abundance dictate that if you keep money circulating, if you keep giving your money away, money finds a way to come back to you. And I don't mean just giving it away randomly and irresponsibly, but being generous with your spirit and your soul and being grateful, that has a cyclical nature that the universe, that it's just the way it works. And I, I know there's probably people out there listening going, that scares me because I, people always say, You know, especially at church, they'll always say, oh, if you give, then you shall receive. If you give, that's just a ploy for for me to give my money away. And I say to people, find something that you're passionate about. Find something that you really care about and give your money to that and then see what happens. Because there's something also about the things that we're passionate about and the things that we love. When you focus on those things that you are really passionate about, it expands that energy and It just happened to me again here right now. If you don't mind, I'll just share with you what what just happened. Absolutely. Because of COVID-19 and because of the stay-at-home order, I speak at colleges and universities all over the country. I was scheduled to speak at several high school graduations, at a college graduation, and to do youth empowerment at several graduations. And I had two big corporate gigs because I had just completed my second TED Talk. So I've been doing TEDx Talks. I did my first one in January, my second one in February. They were right about to get launched, and then this COVID 19 happened. So I literally lost $20,000 in gigs in, in like four days. They all got canceled. Rather than panic, which would be the natural thing to do, rather than freak out, I trusted that what I'm providing in the world is so valuable and so needed that I just needed to shift gears and maybe go online. So now I'm doing podcasts like yours. And I'm doing a Facebook live feed every night at eight o'clock. I started a Zoom call for teenagers called Zoom at Noon for Teenagers. And I just gave it out there. I put it out there. I, I wasn't getting paid for any of this stuff. I just put it out there. One of my students saw my Zoom at Noon for teens, a former student of mine. He works for a federally funded program in California called First 5 LA, where they they teach parents how to how to be better parents for kids from zero to five. And he said, bro, I think I can get you funded for your Zoom at noon. I'm like, how? He said, we're focusing on teenagers and young, the siblings of the kids zero to five. And we have a new grant that just came out. He's like, I'll help you write it. And my mentee helped me figure this whole thing out.
0: Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you.
1: And I find out this Tuesday, but... His supervisor is the deciding factor on whether or not I get uh, approved. And I, I think I'm getting $30,000 to implement my Zoom at noon, which I was doing for free anyways. So how did that happen? Is, did it happen because I made it happen or did it happen because I trusted that things would evolve the way that they should because I'm doing good work?
0: Absolutely. I agree. That is fantastic. Now, you started speaking right? Uh, and then I know you mentioned to me that you when you were speaking, because you, you're an empowerment speaker, you're also a comedian, that you were projecting some of your own stereotypes and insecurities about money to the people that you were speaking with. So tell us about, and you caught that, you caught that, you changed that. So tell us about what was happening? So I want to know like the before. So let's say you were speaking to a crowd the before you were projecting those insecurities and the stereotypes. And tell us once you caught that and you changed what happened in, the, in, in terms of your speaking, as well as the engagement of the audience, the reactions. So right. talk about that.
1: Yeah, so our relationship to money and our relationship to our personal power is not something that changes overnight and then all of a sudden you're set and free for the rest of your life. It's always a development of that freedom and it's always getting stronger and better at rediscovering these new principles and rediscovering your purpose. And so even though I got taught about money 20, 25 years ago and that the fact that there's money everywhere and it's only a conversation, the difference between that money over there and that money over here, I would still go on stage, you know, uh, the short version of the long story is I I, I did this form, I got back into college, I graduated from college, and then I started my comedy career. But when I was doing my comedy and and speaking at schools, I would be one of my famous jokes that everybody that knows me knows that I, I say, no matter how much education you have, no matter how much money you make, if you grew up in El Barrio, you'll always have a little ghetto inside of you, right? And what I mean what I mean by that is like when we when we go to the like when we run out of toilet paper, do we go buy more toilet paper? No, we get napkins from McDonald's, right? Or we we do all these little like ghetto survival things. When you run out of shampoo, do you throw the bottle away? No, you pour the water inside, shake it, pour it on your head, right? We all do these little survival mechanisms. And to me, it was a source of comedy. And and everywhere I went, people are like, oh my God, it's so true. I do that. And then I would have people telling me about their ghetto tendencies. They're like, Oh, oh, like the senora, you know, you made me, you reminded me of when I was a a young lady and I got pregnant for the first time, I couldn't afford the the diaper wipe. So I would go to Juan Pollo to get the towelettes. I'm like, oh my God, senora, that's so ghetto. So that became part of my, what I was speaking about all the time. And I was getting paid to talk about these ghetto tendencies, but I would notice that half the crowd was cracking up. And the other half of the crowd was like, oh, no, I'm not like that. I'm not ghetto. I don't do that kind of stuff. And I remember uh, a kid came up to me after a show, and he goes, mister, you're awesome, mister. I want to do what you're doing. How do I do it? I want to start making money, and I'm going to be rich. And how do you do it? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, dude. I don't know who you think you are, buddy. I've been busting my butt for 20 years. I got kicked out of college. I've had all this horrible thing happen to me. You got to go out into life and live some life first, dude. What is an 18, 17-year-old motivational speaker going to talk about, bro? Come on. And I left that interaction feeling like, dude, you just did the opposite of what you care about. You want to inspire and empower people, but you want to be the guy that's in front of the kids going, look at me. Check me out. I'm so awesome. Do it like I did it. And this one kid is like, I love it so much. I want to do it. And then you discouraged him. And what I got, and this is something that a lot of people our age, Jen, uh, like, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, a big criticism of millennials and this new, this new generation of kids is they were taught that they can be and do anything. And they have this fire in their belly that they can do it. And we're the ones that are like, whoa, 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 slow down. You, you, you can't just be making all this money and starting your own business.
0: Yeah, we were taught life is hard.
1: Exactly, exactly. And the the hypocrisy of us wanting our kids to be and think that they can do anything, and then the moment they start doing it, we're the ones that stifle their creativity. I got it. In that moment, I saw it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I am being the opposite of what I'm committed to being. And so I realized I needed to stop projecting my own insecurities and my own Failures and being able to create a big source of wealth, like like as a comedian, you don't make money for the first five years. That's just kind of the way it goes. So that's why I shifted gears from just being a comedian to being an inspirational speaker. And the moment I did that, my money went through the roof. So uh, I no longer. Whenever I hear a kid getting excited, I always try to give them you know my words of wisdom and my advice. But I I I do not stifle their enthusiasm. And and it's hard it's hard to to not project what we believe onto other people.
0: It is, and that's something that I really work hard at with my own kids because I keep noticing, and even though I've been working internally just on mindset and everything, just because of my upbringing, I notice it kind of comes back. And like you said, it's not an overnight done. You know, okay, I'm done, I'm I'm fixed. You can get better, and then you can retroactively get go back to where you were at. So you, it's something that you continuously. Have to work on. So you made these changes, you because you noticed that the engagement or like the reactions were either they were laughing or they were like, "Uh, "It's not me." You made the changes, and what what have you seen from your from the audience since making those changes? The because I know you mentioned you give the kids your words of wisdom, but you want you're careful about stifling their creativity.
1: Yeah. Well, what what happened is. When I did the Landmark Forum, I got that I made up the story that I'm poor. And so I shifted gears and then I was able to launch my comedy career, my insp- inspirational comedy career and speak at colleges, universities, make a big difference for a lot of kids. But I was, I still had a very limited view of what I thought wealth was for me. At that point, I was able to pay off my car. I got myself out of credit card debt. I paid off these old parking tickets. Like I had every year I would get parking tickets. And I feel like when you're out of integrity with yourself, when you're not honoring your integrity and not doing the things you know you should be doing, you get random parking tickets as a reminder. Anytime a bill gets sent to me or anything that has to do with finances, like, you know, a sting where you're like, ouch, that to me is a universe saying, hey, there's something else that you got to go clean up. When my integrity is impeccable, I never get parking tickets. I never get late fees. I never I had I just handle things. And so that was my bar. And as long as I don't have any parking tickets and as long as I don't have any debt, I'm good. And then I realized that's not wealth. That's just kind of the bare basic minimum. I'm I'm now at zero. I had been operating at negative zero for most of my life and justifying it. Now that I'm at zero, how do I create wealth? And I'll just share this. This is the most one of the most beautiful things that ever happened to me was I was just doing beautiful work, inspiring thousands and thousands of kids. And I literally have hundreds and hundreds of stories of kids that I've impacted their life who are now successful. Many of them are multimillionaires because of the love that I shared with them many years ago. So I got invited to be in one of the best Transformational documentary films ever made. It's called We Rise Up. And your listeners can go to weRiseUp.com and and watch uh the trailer. And I think they can actually watch the movie. In this movie, the world's leading experts on all levels are like the Dalai Lamas in this movie, Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, Tony Robbins, who's an amazing life coach, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. All of these globally recognized life coaches are in this movie. And Ernie G got invited to be in this movie to share. The message that I've been giving, along with these globally iconic, recognized iconic figures, we are in Sundance for the Sundance Film Festival, where our, our, our film was launched. And I'm there with Jack Canfield and Tom Chi, the inventor of the self-driving car and co-founder of Google X, and uh, Sean Korn, a globally recognized uh, yoga instructor and, and life coach. And the local newspaper is interviewing all of us. And they're like interviewing Jack Cannon. How'd you get involved with this movie? Sean Corn, how'd you get involved with this movie? Tom Chi? Then they ask the executive producers, how'd you get involved? And then they come to me and they go, so Ernie, you know, how did you get involved with this? And I said, you know what, to be honest with you, I was wondering the same thing myself because the executive producers asked me to be in this. You know, I'm not a globally recognized iconic world figure, but This is a dream come true for me, and I just feel so blessed and honored to be alongside these people. And so they interviewed us, and they walked away. The executive producer does a beeline for me. She pulls me aside, and she goes, Ernie, stop saying that you're not a globally recognized leader. You're saying that. You're putting that out into the universe. Jack Canfield and Tom Chi and Cute Blackson and Sean Korn consider you their colleague. You're the one that's creating that level that you're not at. You're, you're doing that, but what well, it's coming out of your mouth. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You got
0: schooled, didn't you?
1: <laughs> I got schooled by the, the executive producer was somebody I met at Landmark, at in the forum. And we both have spent 20 years teaching people that your reality is a function of what comes out of your mouth. And here I am saying, yeah, I'm, I don't really belong here, but yeah, I, I'm hanging out with these guys. So that, was, that happened a year and a half ago, and that's when I stopped saying I'm not a globally recognized, iconic leader. And now I'm in a multimillionaire uh, entrepreneurial training with millionaires from all over the world on how to take our money to a whole different level. And there is still a part, there's still a part of me that feels like I don't belong there. You know, that, that little voice will always be in the back of your mind. But as long as you can tame it and make sure it doesn't come out of your mouth... Then, then you'll be okay. We're all human, but it's about managing that little negative voice in your right. brain.
0: It's always, I've, I was always taught, not always taught, but there's it was uh, actually some, uh, it was at a gym and I was in like this nutrition program. I wasn't happy with like my weight. And one of the things, the biggest thing that I took out of, it, it was about mindset and it's about catching those thoughts and reshifting those thoughts. It's not just about Oh, yeah, I did have that thought of I'm not good enough, or I don't have the money. But it's about catching it and reshifting it to a more positive one. And so I just was like, still to this day, I mean, that I have taken and uh, try try to implement it. Because like you said, it's like a jerk, it's a continuous journey that you have to continuously just work on. Now, I want to wrap it up because, oh my gosh, there's so many questions I want to ask you. This has been fantastic. And one of the things that you mentioned, not in in the interview, but just in some things that we've discussed was that, and it, it goes along with this, what you just mentioned is about you deciding to become a king. And it all talks about your, your perceived value of who you are. So for the, the mujer listening at this very moment, who isn't, who isn't valuing herself like she should, what is the best piece of advice that you would give to help her to get to the point of just valuing herself more, especially as Latinos? We are the biggest growing demographic out there. We've got the largest wage gap out there. What would you say to that mujer listening today?
1: Oh, so great. Yeah, the executive producer of We Rise Up, who scolded me when I was the one minimalizing myself, as one of my dearest friends and mentors and uh, uh, leaders in transformational work. Her name is Kate Maloney. I met her when I was 26 years old in a leadership workshop at Landmark. She walked into the room. She had blonde hair, and and I'm not into blonde hair and blue-eyed ladies, but blonde hair, brown eyes. She had a white business suit that had a bell-bottom leggings, so she looked like she floated into the room. She sat next to me, it turned out at the age of 27, she was already had her PhD in psychology. She already owned a private practice where she saw clients. She already owned a six bedroom multi million dollar mansion in Boulder, Colorado, where all her girlfriends lived with her because I just like creating communities that work. And I'm like, who is this person? And I hung out with her for three days at this leadership workshop. And at the end, I was like, you might be the most amazing woman I've ever met. She was so down to earth and real and genuine and authentic. And I said, how did you get to be so great? And she told me, my dad always taught me that I'm a queen. And as a little girl, he would read me these beautiful stories about kings and queens. And he told me, if I want to grow up one day and marry a king, which is not the goal necessarily, but if I want to marry a king, I have to be a queen. Kings don't marry princesses, they marry queens. So I turned myself into a queen. And that story, while wow, I'm getting emotional sharing it with you, it's, I, I've told it to thousands of young women, especially Latinas, you are a queen and you must act like a queen. I'm a king. And the moment I say stuff like, I don't belong here, or I, "You know, Latinos are always poor, that's what poppers say. That's what, maybe princes say but kings don't say that and so when we value who we are and we respect who we are and we love who we are people will love and respect and value us and the law of attraction and the law of abundance says that money will money will flow and you know uh, uh energy flows where attention goes so if you put your attention on the, the things that matter energy will flow to that and my life is a direct testament to that fact
0: That is powerful. And so how becoming that you already just said that, and to you listening right now that you are a queen. And at this podcast, we talk about becoming and being the reign of your money, which is how coincidental that you say that because I think it's just so important to already claim that whether you're confident about your finances at this very moment or not just claiming that you can be the reign of your money right now is it's a step forward to Feeling better of not about not just about yourself but your finances. So I love that that story about just say, you know just claiming to be a queen, but not just claiming. I think you have to do things beyond that
1: mm-hmm.
0: too, because you can just say I am a queen and then do any don't do anything else, and then you're still thinking the same thoughts that are holding you back, right? Exactly. So I Exactly important to take more take action beyond just saying, I am the queen or I'm the reign of your money, which in this podcast, we talk about taking more, more action around your finances.
1: Yeah. That's one of the things, I'll just say this really quick. What I learned in the Landmark Forum is the concept of integrity. And in, people mix integrity with morality. And they think integrity has to do with always being honest and just always doing the, the right thing. And the, the truest definition of integrity that I've ever heard is to thine own self be true. When you say I'm a queen, you must believe it. You must act as if it's absolutely true. And any doubts or fears that you have with relating to you saying that, you got to thank those thoughts for sharing and let them fly away. So it's not just about declaring it. It's a declarative act to say I'm a queen, to say I'm a king is a declarative act, but you must believe it with every ounce of your soul and act as if it's true. That's the only way that the, the law of attraction or the law of abundance to, uh, gets to manifest is if you have unwavering faith that it is true. And then the last thing I'll say about the coincidence, you're like, how cool that you talked about Queen. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous, Wow. Isn't that beautiful? That Mm -hmm. it's all by design. You know, you and I were supposed to meet the Hispanic Heritage Foundation was supposed to have a charla where we met. And now we're doing this podcast so that all of your listeners can get the wisdom that it's not Ernie G wisdom. It's not Jen's wisdom. It's the wisdom of the ages. And we're just the voice for that. We're just the vehicle for that wisdom to be dispersed to the people.
0: Wow, what a powerful ending. I don't think I have anything else to say but thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being there for just sharing your wisdom, sharing your story and being who you are for not just the world but especially for Latinos. We need that voice. We need that presence for Latinos to really to be able to uplift our communities, continue to uplift because I think we've made a progress but I think there's so much we can do. Uh, And because there's so much talent and not enough of us Latinos that are claiming that, yes, we're talented. Yes, we're skilled. We can do so much more. There's a lot of us that are holding ourselves back because of those stories that we continue to repeat ourselves. So thank you. Thank you so much for everything that you do and for what you shared with us today.
1: Thank you. Can I can I share my last little quote that I always Oh, say? absolutely. You, you Go can, for it. You can edit it however you want. I know we went way longer than what we were planning on doing, but I know you'll edit this down. But the way I've ended 99.9% of my presentations in front of high school students, college students, corporations, TEDx audiences, the military, I've spoken all over the world. And I always end on this. I say, And this is a quote from Marianne Williamson. Nelson Mandela read it at his uh, presidential inauguration. And it says simply this, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, which most frightens us. And that's not the way we think. The way we think is I'm afraid I might not be good enough. I'm afraid I might not be strong enough. I'm afraid I might not be smart enough. That's not what we're really afraid of. What we're really afraid of is how amazing and awesome we might actually be. We ask ourselves, who am I? Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God and you were put on this planet to make manifest that glory of God that's within you to let your light shine. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give permission to other people to do the same. Jen Hempfield is committed to transforming the way people think about money. And by her letting her light shine, she's giving permission to other people to let their light shine. So as we let our light shine, we give permission to everybody around us to let their light shine. So please continue to let your light shine. And thank you for letting me let my light shine.
0: And thank you. Muchas, pero muchas gracias again. All right. Wasn't Ernie's story just so motivating and relatable? I really love the impact he is having in our Latinx community. And I hope that you were left as empowered as I feel right now to continue being that Reina. You can connect with Ernie over at ernieg.com. How easy is that to remember? But of course, the link will be in today's show notes. And remember that if you are ready to surround yourself with other powerful reinas, the Her Dinero Power Circle is available to you for only $9.97 a month. That is less than a Netflix charge. Here you will have access to our Reina community, our monthly Dinero and Cafecito chats where we have game nights, book club, Q&A, episode discussions, and you are able to participate in planning the topics of the podcast. Oh, And as part of the Power Circle, you will have special VIP discounts, and special announcements before anyone else. You can check out the details and enroll over at jenhemphill.com forward slash Power Circle. You aren't tied into a special contract and you can cancel at any time because you managed to hear this. You can use the coupon code FANSONLY for $5 off your first month. Next week, we will be chatting with Gabby Natale. She is one of 2018's 25 most powerful Latinas and is the only Latin in U.S. history to win triple back-to-back daytime Emmys. And her story is so inspiring. So I know you will absolutely love it. That is it. Eso es todo. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to just hang out with us. You can check out the show notes over at jennahamphill.com forward slash 239 to refer to everything you need from the show remember being the reina of your money starts right at this very moment by simply claiming it i believe in you and you should too if you love this podcast love this episode i would love it if you share it with someone you care about and take a screenshot or a selfie and tag us and your IG stories with at her dinero matters with one thing that you love about the podcast or specific episode. Bueno, pues, that is everything, y nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.